Hi, I'm Debbie Georgiatis. Welcome to my show, America Can We Talk. Today, we're going to talk about the GOP is coming in, Fauci is leaving, Fauci's out. Uh, Flyover Conservative podcast hosts Stacey and David Whited join me. And uh, DeSantis and Rove, Carl Rove, that is, are they in cahoots? And election news, Soros Secretary of State's The Pit Plus the Moment of Truth. And of course, I'll tell you why these stories matter to you. Stay tuned. On America Can We Talk, I talk about election integrity, border security, healthcare freedom, race relations, energy and tax policy, education policy, free speech and assembly, freedom of religion, and all other issues that touch on the God-given right of every American to life, liberty, and the pursuit of their version of happiness. Stay tuned. And hello again, and welcome to America Can We Talk, and to today's First Five. I'm Debbie Georgiatis. Still doing my happy show from California uh, and our trip out here. I want to thank everyone at Real News PR for making it possible to do my show, even while we're out here. Love the opportunity to talk to you every single day. Uh, what I want to talk about in the First Five is uh, Dr. Fauci's resignation. And, of course, everyone's played and listened to the statement, and he's resigning to go on to brighter pastures or whatever it is he said. What I want to say to you is... I think this is the first really strong, almost signal or admission out of the of Dr. Fauci, the CDC, the NIH, the whole federal establishment that brought us the COVID policy we all suffered under for two years. It's the first real admission. Dr. Fauci does not want to face a moment of truth. He can see very clearly, unless we have massive election fraud, we're going to have a big Republican sweep in the elections this fall. We're going to have the Republicans back in charge of the U.S. House, of the Senate, and Dr. Fauci doesn't want to face them. Now, obviously, he can't just, unless he's going to uh, disappear, uh, he can't avoid them. In fact, Senator Rand Paul, one of the most stalwart, clear, articulate, actually a doctor himself, uh, members of the U.S. Senate ha has said already, you know, don't think you can hide, you, or don't think that you won't be held accountable for your actions simply because you're no longer holding that post. I will say there have been other things along the way recently where it seems like different elements of the federal government that put in place a very draconian COVID policy all of us live with for two plus years, little signals from various agencies that they do recognize the American public is onto them. They're not going to tolerate continued tyranny out of the federal government related to COVID. You had, for example, the CDC uh, is changing things. They're not making big announcements on their website, but they're changing things. They're now saying, um, they took down the statement on the CDC website that said the spike proteins only stay in your body a short time after the uh, after the vaccine. Uh, no, actually, that turned out not to be true. They've just taken it down. No big admission of wrongdoing. They've also removed uh, references to the importance of social distancing. Uh, they're also no longer recommending testing uh, for the asymptomatic people. I mean, people are perfectly healthy. You used to have to they were advised to be tested. Uh, there is just a, there's a, a flow of things changing in Washington in the case they really do understand kind of their, their, uh, the game is up. The American people have decided we're simply not going to continue to live under the tyranny that really came to, um, to all of America and around the world in response to COVID policy. Little tiny things like Kellyanne Conway came out recently and said, by the way, when Dr. Fauci was in the White House, with President Trump and many others at times where everyone in America thought they had to be wearing a mask, 
he didn't wear a mask. She's there are little statements coming out causing Americans to realize that Dr. Fauci has not been he has been harsher with the American people than in than the way he treated himself. Statements from his own past where he acknowledged masks really don't do anything to stop the spread of viruses. But now really kind of is coming home to roost. He can see within a few months he'll no longer be protected by the Democrat majority in the House and Senate and time to exit. And I truly, truly hope the Republicans mean it when they say not just that they're going to investigate uh, if they get the majority in the House or just in the House. Uh, that they're going to investigate Dr. Fauci and what he did to America under the COVID policy, both under President Trump as well as under President Biden. But really, I want them to thoroughly dig in and understand the depth of Dr. Fauci's involvement uh, with the creation of this. This is not a naturally occurring virus. It's a bioweapon. The creation of this bioweapon in the Wuhan lab or an other involvement of the United States of America and your tax dollars being sent around the world working in labs to create bioweapons, all of that needs to be come out, put on the table, and let Dr. Fauci face some music. Because as uh, doc, uh, in fact, I think it was Senator Marco Rubio said to him fairly recently, you know, uh, Dr. Fauci, I don't know if you use the expression blood on your hands, but he was very clear in saying you are, you need to be held accountable uh, for the uh, deaths and um, harm to the American people brought to them by your uh, not just not negligent COVID policy or intentionally harmful, damaging COVID policy inflicted on America. Can't wait to see him held accountable. And that, my very fine friends, is today's first five. So, you know, we talked in the past about how, you know, it used to be, at least when I was growing up, there were maybe three networks. Everyone after in the evening time, you sat down, you watched ABC, NBC, CBS, or whatever your parents' uh, favorite news source was. And there may be a few newspapers. Many big cities had two newspapers. But we've talked about the explosion of sources for news uh, that is just a, a welcome uh, relief for many Americans because we don't have to rely on the uh, whatever term you like to use for them, the uh, mainstream media, left-wing media, um, the media mob, I often call them, that just simply seem to be echo chambers for the left-wing talking points. One great source that people love to, and, and they all have their favorite podcasters, favorite columnists, favorite websites, uh, but people love the idea we have more and more places to, uh, to turn for news, to understand what's really happening. Of course, I hope for my listeners, America Can We Talk is your favorite source, but beside that, there are many, many other really substantive, serious, thoughtful podcasters out there, and two of them are joining us today. They're a husband and wife team. They host Flyover Conservatives. I just love the name, by the way, Flyover Conservatives. We'll, we'll talk to them about that. But they host that that program, Flyover Conservatives, uh, and they've had many really prominent guests on the show, including me. They had me in their show a couple weeks ago, and today they're joining me just to talk about uh, the importance of podcasts in getting to uh, to allow the American people to get to truth, and also the top issues of today and and how they view it, how their viewers uh, are enjoying them. And so I want to introduce to you both, both of you, Stacy and David Whited. Hello. Hey, Debbie, thank you so much for having us on the show today. We really appreciate it. So glad you both could do it at the same time. I have to tell you, my husband and I work a lot together. We, In fact, we were our lawyers. We Years ago, we worked in the same law firm, but not really together. And on my show, he's extremely helpful. I mean, really a great bounce ideas off. Um, but you guys actually do it on air together. I just love it. I love to do this podcast. So I read this story on your website, but for our listeners, 
Tell us how you got started doing this podcast, Flyover Conservatives. Sure. Well, we don't just work here together. We've actually 25 years in business together. So uh, we've grown up together. We actually met each other when we were in seventh grade, known each other a long time, been married almost 30 years. But in January of 2021, during the, my quiet time with the Lord, I really felt like he was he was saying at that time that sources that we had trusted for truth in the past would not be giving us truth. And this was the time for discernment. And our, at that time, our son came to us. He had one child and one on the way. And he said, if we don't do something as a family to try to save this country, we're not going to have freedoms that your parents had. And my kids are definitely not going to have those freedoms. We have to do something as a family. So we came together as a family, not just David and I, but our son is our producer. Our daughter does all of our graphics and social media. And so it's really been a, a major family affair. That is the greatest story. I will tell you, among the many reasons it's a great story, because so many people in this era talk about there's a little bit of division, unfortunately, in some families. You have the parents uh, are likely to be conservatives. They see America in a bigger, more historical perspective. And there are some swath of young people uh, who really are going along with the trend of America, kind of turning away from our founding ideas and, and feeling kind of separated from their parents. So must mean you did a great job raising both kids that they want to work on a conservative podcast. So congratulations to you on that. That's very, very fun. Thank you. Thank you. It, it's, uh, you know, sometimes when you're kind of following God's path, you don't know the whole outcome. You just kind of do the next right thing. You just get up in the morning and say, okay, what are my two loaves and fishes? What do I bring to the table today? When we began this, it was just really, it was the idea of just doing some Facebook lives and, and maybe interviewing people who had a better idea of what was going on in the world because we were hearing just, just uh, so little, uh, what we felt believable truth, you know, in, in mainstream media. And, and the, the more suppression that came and, and censorship on ideas that came, the, the more technologies and things kind of sprouted up and the ability to be able to do it almost uh, at, at the exact same time. So it's kind of interesting where, you know, you mentioned we grew up in an era with like Walter Cronkite at the end of the day, whatever he said, that was it. That was you know, it. take off his glasses and make a statement. And it was, it was, <laughs> It wasn't look like as, as a deity, but it was close. There was like God and, you know, there was like kind of Walter Cronkite. He said it. It was just factual and nobody really questioned it. There wasn't really a lot of debate. And and most of the political debate was really over, you know, small issues, you know. Right. This, this guy might raise it 2% taxes. And this guy would lower it 2% taxes. But, uh, you know, there there wasn't the, the, the fundamental extreme where you felt like everything that you would hold dear. We grew up with a kind of a almost a Lee Greenwood soundtrack background of, you know, what's good about America and, and, and proud of this country while we knew it had its you know flaws and there, were, there weren't things right. We felt that everything was trending in a good direction, racial relations and, and a lot of different things. And the, the economy was still something people all over the world you know would risk everything yeah. to come and be a part of. And so to see that be under attack and undermined uh, was really new. And to mm -hmm. see it from the mainstream media, that was you know, where we felt like we had to intervene a little bit. I love every point you just made. Uh, hearkening back to your time uh, studying the Bible and praying together in the morning, you know, I think for people who are really discerning uh, and and recognize, I can't. I'm probably not going to run for Congress. I'm not going to try to be governor, but I can do something. It is uh, akin also to the Old Testament story. I always lose track of it's Elijah or Elisha, but you know, basically saying to the woman, "What do you have in your house? Yep. What, what, yeah, what have you in your house?" The basic idea why probably not going to be able to pass laws and I probably am not wealthy enough to you know control a political party or a candidate but I can I can I can use my voice my yep. discernment my clarity I can use that that's what I have I love that 
Okay. And, every, and everybody has something to give. Everybody can do something. And I think that's, there's a lot of fear yeah. in our world right now, but the antidote to fear is action. Mm-hmm. And everybody has an action that they can take. And, and and that's that's really what our show's focused on. You know, you, this is our temporary studio. If you hear some banging around, we're actually building a second studio. And so it's kind of adjoining to here. So there's construction work going on at the same time. But you see on our, our this is our, what we use when we travel, but it, it says wake up, speak up, and show up. Mm-hmm. And we feel like that's the process. America has been yeah. waking up the last couple of years. But after you wake up, you got to speak up and show up. And I think it's that action that that people really, uh, that, that our show's focused on. I, I love that. And I love suggesting to people because many people, I think we talked about this when I was on your show, um, any speeches I give or even emails from listeners afterward, they always say, tell us something to do. Give us something to do. Because once they realize how dire America's situation is, they want to do something. And they want to do something that, that won't just seem... Uh, inconsequential. They want to do something that matters. And there are so many steps people can take if they want to be involved and really understand. And actually, whether it's showing up at school board meetings to discuss critical race theory or any other agenda item going on in the schools, uh, people can do that. And, and they love being told, here's some information you can take with you. Here are facts that are not in dispute. You can say these and be comfortable they're true and, and, and go out and do it. So I, I love that. By the way, where are y'all located? You're you're in the, I don't know where fly, I know where flyover means the middle of America, but you're at yep. you in- We're actually in the middle. We're actually in Kansas City. So right in the middle of America. And you're right, the flyover conservatives that kind of came to us because, you know, a lot of times people are flying from the East Coast to the West Coast or the West Coast to the East Coast and they fly over these states in the middle and they <clears> don't really <throat> think they're that significant. Uh, but they are very significant when it comes to where our food is coming from, when it, when it looks like elections, you know, all of those different things. It's very critical. So these flyover states are a lot of times overlooked, but very important. Oh, they sure are. And actually, you know, the uh, people send flyover country, America, whatever, the, the middle of America, heartland America, uh, it really is the uh, source of a lot of political strength. Mm-hmm. If people out and vote. They can they can really impact things, uh, and they are people kind of t- more rooted in traditional values. Okay, I know we're going to hit a lot of topics, and I made a long list, but I do want to, since we were talking before we got together today on the show, um, about the summit that Mike Lindell recently sponsored, um, and it was called the Moment of Truth Summit, and he presented a mountain of new information related to election fraud. And I think, and I, as I mentioned to our listeners, I was honored. I was happy to be invited to be there. Um, couldn't be there because we're out here visiting family in California. Uh, but I think you two were there. And so, um, first, I'd love to hear a quick reaction. Did you walk away more informed? And then we're going to, I guess, turn to a clip that you found out about there, which is from um, from Dan Rather. But backing up, how was the summit? Like, did you learn something new? First of all, before the the, the summit, I just want to comment just on Mike Lindell himself mm-hmm. because I, yeah. you know. Uh, we've not, I've never met him personally. You know, he's a sponsor of our show, but he's never been on the show. I've never talked to him. But we have this belief in our show, like, you know, everybody sat back and wanted Donald Trump to do 80 million things to save our, our country. And the answer is 80 million of us doing one thing each day to save our, our own country. And we can't all do the same thing. But they got, the guy is all in. Mm-hmm. You know, Mike Lindell, he paid for this convention center. Um, there was no charge for people to attend that were there. He fed, I don't know, maybe a thousand people, whoever was all there. Like not bologna sandwiches, but you know, brisket and, and real meals this whole time. Mm-hmm. I mean, his own money putting it all in the middle of the Security, table to say, Hey, what can that. I do? Mm-hmm. I think he would trade everything he has, his plane, everything he has, if if he knew that that we could have safe and secure elections. He would he would give it all mm-hmm. to have it. So he's a really, you know, anybody that wonders about him, he really is all in. 
And uh, he brought together the best minds and whoever has the best information mm -hmm. uh, there. And you can watch it available on, on his channel with uh, Frank Speech or, or Lindell TV, mm -hmm. especially the last couple of hours. It's a two-day event, but the last couple of hours was full of revelation. Was was We had some, some groundbreaking information. People can go to that. You might want to watch it all if you're really into mm -hmm. it. But the last hour, hour and a half, two hours, uh, some of the guests, some of the code, some of the things they brought forward uh, was was groundbreaking. They also released a documentary uh, that was funded by Mike Lindell uh, called Selection Code, and they played that on the la on the first night. Um, it's it was truly remarkable. It's so a, good. a story about Tina Peters out of Colorado, but what's going on with elections and what's going on in her life. Uh, but it was very significant, and I think something that everyone needs to see. And again, Mike Lindell is giving that away for free. There's no cost for that documentary, and it's extremely high quality that you could share with anyone because the information that they're giving there, it's, it's nonpartisan. And I think that's really important for people to understand as well. It's just talking about election integrity. There's people on there that did not vote for Donald Trump, voted for Biden, and really are happy with Biden, but said that there there was some questions in the election and the process of it. So it was very well done. It was a very, like Stacey said, non nonpartisan event. But that, that documentary available at selectioncode.com uh, is really well done. Um, it's the same directors and producers that, that came out with the documentary called The Trump I Know, where they different uh, uh, women who worked around uh, <laughs> Trump during his campaign and kind of told their story. <clears throat> It's really high high quality, but there's some components in it uh, that that share the story in a narrative that's interesting, that's compelling, that you understand the the, the fleshy, the human side of election mm -hmm. integrity, and and also uncovered how long this has been churning below the surface. I, I mentioned the Dan Rather clip, and I don't know if we could tie this together and have our producers play this, but this is this clip that we're going to show you is from 1988. They show a small cut of it inside of selection code documentary but i would love to be able to play that when when, when you're ready actually why don't you go ahead right now go ahead okay. there's been a lot of speculation lately about how high or low voter turnout will be this election day not talked about much what's being done or not done to ensure an honest count of the votes voting in this country has gone increasingly high tech with the potential some experts warn for high tech vote count fraud you punch the hole above the number. Straight Democrat is a hole above 10. And then you move over one column on the card every time you turn a page. And you come across here to the fourth from the end column. More and more Americans are voting by computer. Push it all the way down. Federal officials estimate, in fact, that when the votes are counted November 8th, more than half of the nation's 10,000 or so election jurisdictions will use computers. Slick 1980s technology ought to mean a high, a very high rate of reliability when it comes to tallying our votes. It ought to mean that, but it does not. Listen to computer whiz Howard J. Strauss of Princeton. If somebody set out to break into the computer system and actually alter the outcome of an election, it's not only possible, but it's rather easy. The system has virtually no protection, no controls, and the thing is complete. It's, it's not a house with uh, doors without locks. It's a house without doors. Howard Strauss and other computer experts are worried. They say that votes are being counted with old technology, proper safeguards are not in place, and that no one can be absolutely certain that when a computer counts, that the result is accurate. 40% of the people who vote in the next election are going to vote on a machine that looks just like this. All right, so I put my computer card in at the top. Right, then you have this little stylus mm -hmm. over here, and you just select somebody who you'd like to vote for. I'll vote for George Washington. Okay, just poke a little hole. 
in the little George Washington place. Now, it turns out this ballot's invalid. Okay, I actually tricked you. I really favor Jefferson. So before I gave you this card, what I did is I punched out a hole for Jefferson. Let me get this straight. I, I came in with my ballot, one vote for George notice. Washington. I punched the hole for George Washington, but unbeknownst to me, it had already been a hole punched by Jefferson. So when this card goes to the vote counters, what happens? Well, what's, what probably will happen is it'll just be declared invalid because you voted for two different choices for president. It'll be like voting for Bush and Dukakis. Here in Elkhart, Indiana, they know all about... I want to okay, wrap it up there. We put the whole clip on our, our True Social, uh, Flyover Conservatives, and, and, and other places. But the, I want you to grab what he said there. He says, he says, you know, could someone break into this system? And the fact that you show this so dated, it's VHS, you know, old copy, people can tell it. He said, a, a computer whiz, you know, they don't use the term computer whizzes anymore because everybody has one. But he says it's not a, a house with no locks. It's a house with no doors. No doors. There, was a, there was a Democratic expert there who had been a whistleblower back in 2004, I believe. Four, four, 2004, who, who wrote some of the original code to flip elections. He was there at the event, and he's a Democrat. He voted for Biden, said he would vote for Biden again tomorrow. But he says our elections are not safe and fair. He goes, when it comes to in, in, in the machines, he goes, he goes, they're designed for interference. And he goes, it's not a matter of, of who did it, it's his, who's in last. Whoever's like an auction, whoever the last one to bid is who can flip it, 5149 in many cases on local local areas. And so it, it's, it's not so much who's good and who's bad, it's the machines are bad and humans need to run their own elections because every, every computer from my phone to an iPhone watch, anything else, can be can be meddled with. And that's the alarming thing. It's us versus the, the machines. machines, not Democrat versus Republican. It's humans versus machines. When there's machines, there's going to be problems. I love you saying that. And I will say also, I've talked in the show many times. I did a little blurb yesterday about electronic voting machines. And I do hear the argument sometimes, well, you know, uh, pretty much electronic voting machines are protected by the government. They're secure. And it's been really hard uh, in my view, even though there have been many experts pointing out how vulnerable ele the electronic voting machines are, even though you've had, uh, I, I happen to know Dr. Douglas Frank really well, he's been on my show many times, he's explained how he can prove through his study of, of, uh, that there's, uh, of the voting data, he can show algorithms are used to manipulate vote counts, but I think it's so hard for people to process and, and want to come to believe that our entire election system if we use electronic ballots, electron, electric voting machines, is it, just uh, vulnerable and, and hackable and unreliable. I think that's it's a very big um, hill to climb to get people to uh, accept that. I mean, I'm, and I want to go back to what you said about Mike Lindell. I have been so amazed by Mike Lindell's. Uh, he is helpful to this show. He is brilliant uh, and he is relentless. You know, he's not a guy. He wasn't a political hack his whole life and always pushing for a Republican or pushing for any party or person. He just doesn't like the idea that there's overwhelming evidence of fraud and you can't get uh, seem to get the attention of people in authority to respond to that, to adjust policy, to end that and, uh, and, and to make our system more secure. And on the electronic voting machines in particular, this was the hardest uphill battle uh, proven. By one little fact is many, many people have been urging at their state legislatures, we've got to do something about election integrity. We've got to do something. Even in the red states where the legislatures were amenable to trying to make changes to the election code, most of the changes were things that were, you know, 
reduce the amount of time of early voting as permitted, or you know, beef up your voter ID requirements, things that are not bad, but they don't get to the heart of the problem, which is electronic voting machines. And the th I'm glad to, I had not seen that Dan Rather clip. I'll remind you, and I'm sure you have seen the uh, film that was, I think it was 2018 that came out, Kill Chain, yes. where yes. many Democrat, prominent, currently prominent Democrat senators looking right in the camera and saying, we have our electronic voting system is not secure. They can be hacked. So what Mike Lindell is doing is contributing to the ongoing, the growth of the American public, the, the number of people understand they're hackable, they're dangerous, and must, must be um, eliminated. Eventually, we've got to get rid of electronic voting machines. So was that kind of the outcome message of this summit? We have to end our reliance, our use of electronic voting machines? It was, and they had experts from everywhere. I saw that Seth Keschel's been on your show before in your introduction. He was there, went through a lot of great information. Just uh, Dr. Frank was there, just a lot of great people that were sharing that information and it did come down to, we have to get rid of the machines. It is critical. If we really want to have a safe uh, and fair election, we do have to get rid of the machines. Because, and here's why the, the Democrats seem to be, you know, on board with it right now because they won, but this has gone back and forth for years and the Republicans don't have clean hands in it because they're quiet when it's in their favor, when, right. when things work. I think the whole thing honestly is, is, is a big rotten dumpster heap. <laughs> to be thrown out yep. and we need yep. to go back, you know, and many countries have the Netherlands, many countries have gone completely mm -hmm. away from it because they realized they're losing their country and we can't have a country if every four years, half of the country is saying, that's not my president. Mm -hmm. Every four years they're saying, it's not my president back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. If it's a hand count, we'll know. Right. And actually uh, to that point about not being just a political party, one or the other, Many, the term I've used about Washington, you may have also just a uniparty. There is really a cabal in Washington, D.C., made up of members of both parties who really are in charge of a lot of things, who do not really, they may go back to their constituencies and say they believe in certain things and, and give a rah-rah message about various uh, really substantive policies. But they get back to Washington, they're in charge, they're the uniparty, and they're all pretty happy with electronic voting machines. They're not about to let them go because they all got there to their positions by having electronic voting Got that machines. potomac so fever it, when they get there. It's yeah, really it's people versus the powerful. Sorry, yeah, go ahead. It's really interesting too, Debbie, something they pointed out there that I think it was in the documentary, but I thought this, this was so true. They were talking about with hand counting, of course there can be cheating with that as well, but that's for like pickpocketing or something. You know, you're just, it's a small crime compared to credit card fraud. You know, it's just, they were comparing it to with the machines. You could see that. Yeah, there could be some cheating, but nothing compared to what they could do with machines. Yeah, yeah. So I meant to ask you before we started very quickly, tell people how they can find you. I know you have flyoverconservatives.com is one that's your, your website, but how do people find you? Well, we are on 60 different platforms. So we are everywhere, Rumble, you you name it, uh, we're there. But flyoverconservatives.com is a great place to be able to find us. And then you can kind of venture from there. But uh, we're on uh, 30 some platforms for podcasts, you name it. We're like a little whack-a-mole. You know, they got us off of YouTube and we keep losing YouTube channels. So they get rid of us there, but we'll just pop up someplace else. I love that. Love that spirit. I know we talked about it before. Yeah, YouTube. Um, yeah, they can be really rough on censoring people. This is kind of harkens back to what I was saying in the beginning, introducing you. It's such a blessing for the American people. There are so many places. If you want to know the truth and you're willing to spend a little bit of time, you can find people like you, Flyover Conservatives. You can find my show, America Can We Talk, 
You can find many other wonderful podcasts, uh, many on Rumble. It's great to have them on Rumble available. Great to have them on True Social, wherever else it is that you can be. Um, it, it's a way, and it's kind of, for those who seek, they will find truth instead of finding, you know, instead of just letting the mainstream media beat down the message, uh, which is never in support of the conservative values. So uh, I appreciate both of you so very much. I hope we do this again. This is actually fun to have other talk show hosts join me on the show. So I hope we can do this again. We would be honored. We'd love it. We loved having you on our show as well. You've been at this a long time and uh, uh, people to go to our, our, our platforms, they can watch that episode because you talked about how many people do not vote in alignment with their own morals. And that was education for us. We thank you for that. I thank you both for everything you do. And I, I hope we uh, meet at one of these events coming up there. There's gonna be a lot going on between now and the elections this year and this yeah. fall and then uh, next couple of years too. So uh, I love, I love, I, uh, when people ask for other uh, talk shows, other podcasts, I, I always wanna say, find the ones you can relate to, listen to all of them. And we're, it's kind of like we're all on the, the team for, it's like we're Team America versus yes. the other team that doesn't want to share truth with the American people. Well, thank you again, Debbie, Thanks, for having Debbie. us. We really appreciate it. Thank you for joining me. Great to have you. Those, my friends, are, uh, are just a great couple doing podcasts together, Flyover Conservatives, again, at flyoverconservatives.com. For our radio listeners, you're going off to a quick break. They'll come back after three minutes. Uh, for everybody else, um, I want to share, I, I call this, I, I don't, I cringed about doing this story, but I want to share with you a story, a really important idea to absorb, and then we're going to go back and talk about uh, some election news, about what George Soros has been doing, about the pit, the moment of truth, and some things that you can do. As I say, the uh, frequent question I get many, many times after speaking or uh, after my show is, uh, what can I do to help? I'm going to give you a really good thing you can do to help. Uh, before I do that, I'll remind our listeners that we, um, the show is uh, Monday through Thursday at 3 p.m. Central Time. I love that you listen. I've made a new thing on Wednesdays. On Wednesday, starting halfway through the show, uh, so 3.30 Central Time, um, I will on Wednesdays have the... Um, um, have a second half of the show dedicated to your questions. I get asked by people all the time, you know, um, you know, how come you never talk about this? Why don't you say this? So I'm going to try to answer some of those questions um, for you. And so if you have a question you want to ask me, uh, you can send me an email at americacanwetalk at gmail.com. americacanwetalk at gmail.com. Send in a question. And I'm going to say uh, really any topic that relates to saving America, because I would say that's why I talk about saving America. Um, I will um, I, I'll try to answer it for you. And so I have several questions ready for tomorrow. Love to have more from you if you'd like to ask them. So the topic I want to hit today, um, I, that I call this um, DeSantis and Rove in cahoots with a question mark. And I want to share something with you I've been reading about. Many of us, myself included, are so, so grateful for Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. So grateful for him because he is among the few and maybe the only governor in the country who has been standing up to many, many, many really bad, really wrong, just not good ideas that are coming out of the American left. He stood strong against Disneyland, Disney World, uh, and, and really insisted on, when they were pushing back against him, insisted on not having uh, transgender grooming happening in kindergartens in the state of Florida. I think he banned all of that, at least K through three. He stood up for that. He's very strong on many issues, and people often 
when a big issue happens, they, they, DeSantis is the first person that people turn to. They say, wow, thank goodness. I knew DeSantis would stand up. He's going to do it. He's going to, you know, he's going to do the right thing and, and really be a brave governor. And he has been on many issues. However, I also want to share with you something that is, has been observed by a guy I really respect. Actually, I assume it's a guy. It's a person named Sundance. And the website's called the Conservative Treehouse. And they write in-depth, wonderful articles. And I want to share with you his thinking. I've heard other people say this, uh, this idea. And I want to urge you to go to their website uh, and read what they have to say. And actually, today I made a link to this article on my website, americacanwetalk.org, americacanwetalk.org. Uh, you can go there and on the homepage under shows, drop down list of links, I, I include a link to this article. What is happening? Backing up from all the great issues that Governor DeSantis has taken the right stand on. There is a, as we were talking a minute ago with um, our guests on the flyover conservatives, there is a a uniparty, meaning made up of Republicans and Democrats in Washington, a very large cabal of people who like being in charge of this country, who want to be in charge of this country. And they got to Washington the, under the current system of our of elections and under our use of electronic voting machines. And, and so they, they are good with the system we have. But these people, for the reasons we've talked about many times, many in the Uniparty in Washington deplore to the, to the core of their being, deplore President Trump. They see President Trump as a threat, as a threat to them, because when President Trump came to office the first time and served his first term, 2016 to 2020, you know, he, even though he was aware and had talked about during his campaign, the deep state and, and the the dangers, the snake pit, the swamp that is Washington. Even Donald Trump did not fully and deeply and completely appreciate how deep and, and filled with slithering snakes the swamp of Washington is. Donald Trump's campaign and his presidency was all about standing up for what the American people want. And he listened to the people and he proposed policy and pushed policy through his uh, executive orders that were about preserving America. That's why he wanted a secure border. We're going to have a wall. That's why he changed trade deals. That's why he said we're not going to be socialists. That's why he tried to you know, cut taxes and give the American people more of their own money to spend. This is a guy who stood up for the American people. But he is in Washington, and through the time he was there, because his advocacy for what is supposed to be core American ideas so enraged so enraged, not just the Democrats, but the Republicans, House and Senate, very few Republicans in the House or Senate even would stand with him on the border wall, let alone many other issues. So they let him kind of dangle in the wind by himself. They, the Uniparty ganged up on him, even them. Well, in the course of this time, and now, especially if Donald Trump's out, of, as he's out of office, more people, including Donald Trump, have become aware of how deeply corrupt the Department of Justice is, the FBI, the CIA, many, many of the organs of power in Washington, D.C., the bureaucracy in Washington is filled with entrenched, powerful people who have absolutely no plan to ever let go of their power, no plan to listen to the president, no plan to execute policy based on what is true and right. They are all about the idea. They're all about the idea of staying in power. And this is exactly 
who in this uniparty, these people cannot stand the idea that Donald Trump just might be back in power. They just will do anything to keep him out of power. Not just because his policies are not akin to theirs, not just because he won't go along with left-wing policies or won't go along with the uniparty agreed on policies and doesn't listen to them, but because now he knows the depth of the corruption, the crud in the federal bureaucracies. So they want him out. They want him never back in office more than they want life itself. They want Trump permanently banned from Washington. So now we turn back to DeSantis. All of these uniparty people in Washington look around, they realize Trump, if he could run in 2024, would easily clean this, uh, the field for the, uh, he would, all other Republicans running against him in a primary, if anyone even did, would lose. And they can see that. All these uniparty people, they can see that Trump would lose. And, and they could, I mean, excuse me, that Trump would win. No one would successfully challenge him. And they know if he get back in office, he's really, really, really going to clean house this time. These people in Washington realize that if Trump gets back in office, they are toast and they're worried about it. And there are advisors to these many people in Washington, D.C., including people like Karl Rove. Karl Rove, the longtime, very establishment, you know, um, tries to pass himself off as a fluffy little butterball. He's kind of round, but he is a vicious, vicious, fence-sitting moderate GOP consultant. I mean, he goes for the jugular. He is all about orchestrating, all about winning, and does not, he along with the entire cabal he works with in Washington, do not want Trump back in office. So they look around and say, well, who else could even possibly attract the votes and the admiration and the energy of the conservative base? And the obvious answer to anyone paying attention is, well, Ron DeSantis. Ron DeSantis, fabulous conservative governor, great Republican governor, he would be the one who maybe could lure the people away from Donald Trump and be the candidate that could, uh, you know, could be palatable to the, the new populist Republican Trump-created majority base of the Republican Party. DeSantis would be the one. So what Sundance at Conservative, at Conservative Treehouse, I mentioned earlier, what he's been talking about is his observation that it appears that what is occurring in Florida right now, Governor DeSantis appears, or he's saying it appears possible that the Karl Rove slimy, uh, you know, establishment rhino protecting, uh, you know, uniparty protecting guy has gotten his hooks into Ron DeSantis. Either directly as Rove talking to DeSantis or his people beneath him. So Ron DeSantis, this observation being made at Consort Treehouse is, Ron DeSantis, beloved conservative governor, uh, has begun to do things that are not consistent with what you would do if you really were this rock-solid conservative that everyone wants to be in the presidency. They want Trump back, or they would take someone like him, and, and DeSantis is the closest. One example he gives is right after the FBI raid of Mar-a-Lago, there was a um, many people, conservatives, of course, pundits, myself, many others, spoke up had a lot to say about it, protested, you know, said, said what they had to say um, about uh, how outrageous this FBI raid was. Completely pointless, unjustified, outrageous, unprecedented, blah, blah. Well, well, 
first of all, Governor DeSantis, it's his state, by the way, obviously Mar-a-Lago is in Florida. DeSantis said very little, waited a few days, had a very fairly milquetoast response. A fairly like, well, they shouldn't have done that, guys. It wasn't the kind of tone you'd want to hear out of someone who gets what is happening to Trump, who gets what the FBI is doing. And then you had a quiet time, it appeared. DeSantis kind of out of the limelight for a few days. And now what is being pointed out by Conservative Treehouse is that the DeSantis is going to be running, it appears, in 2024 for president, even though he says he's not. He says he's running for governor. That's all he's doing. He's Mr. Governor of Florida. But he's put out a new ad. And I want to ask uh, Emilio, I, I sent him the ad to play. This is the new Ron DeSantis ad being played around the country and appears to have been orchestrated by this new, he has, by the way, DeSantis, after this little break, has new representation. Uh, he has new uh, new press secretary and a new national brand image launch. Here's the video that is the new DeSantis ad. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. This is your governor speaking. Today's training evolution, dogfighting, taking on the corporate media. The rules of engagement are as follows. Number one, don't fire unless fired upon, but when they fire, you fire back with overwhelming force. Does it say that in the bill? I'm asking, I'm asking you to tell me what's in the bill. Number two, never ever back down from a fight. If I could complete the question though. So you're gonna give a speech or ask a question? Number three, don't accept their narrative. It's wrong, it's a fake narrative. I just disabused you of the narrative and you don't care about the facts. It's why people don't trust people like you because you peddle false narratives. All right, ladies and gentlemen. Let's jump up on Okay, it's kind of a fun ad, play on top, everybody likes that. But the point that's being made by the Sundance at Conservative Treehouse and many others is it's a pretty national ad. I mean, he's running for governor of Florida and he said he doesn't want to run against Trump, but what the Karl Rove Uniparty Cabal is thinking, in my surmise, they don't tell me anything, I'm just, as how I see it, is they're going to let Ron DeSantis build his national image, build his place uh, in the national political conversation about a really, really good viable alternative should Trump not run. Meanwhile, all of the Uniparty cabal, including Karl Rove, are knocking themselves out to do everything they can to make it impossible for Trump to run. I mean, literally, they do want him indicted. They hope he's indicted for something related to January 6th or something else. They just want him indicted and out of uh, out of contention. And I will tell you, I think, folks, even if uh, Trump gets uh, indicted, I don't think that will stop him from running. But in any case, what these people want is they want Trump to be weakened by the attacks on the January 6th committee, weakened by the FBI allegations about documents, weakened by anything they can. And then they can spring out and say, look, all you conservatives who love Trump so much, he got DeSantis. He's just as good. Let DeSantis be the one. And make, you know, he doesn't have all the baggage. And this is an effort by the Karl Rove people. If they really have their hooks into um, DeSantis, as one reason I think they do is because the new team he put together, the new press secretary, is someone who um, who tends to cavort with the, who 
who tends to be someone more cautious, someone who would give uh, more advice like uh, Dan Crenshaw gets, a, a Texas congressman who's fallen out of favor with conservatives. So there's a, a concern that DeSantis is being groomed by the, the whole uh, Karl Rove cabal to be the one to step up and be just as palatable as Trump would be as a candidate. This is a thinking. So I wanna mention two really important things about this. This is speculation, I don't know, although I do believe it's very likely. I think that DeSantis, I mean, Trump has all the money in the world. He can run and, and doesn't need to be funded by anybody. DeSantis, on the other hand, even though he's got a significant war chest right now to run for president, he'd have to have a much bigger war chest. Karl Rove can promise endless money, endless connections, endless introductions. He can promise all of that. And DeSantis looking around, you know, now I don't think DeSantis hates Trump or anything. I think they actually kind of are on the same page, but he can see the uniparty cabal, the media, the FBI, the entire entrenched power in Washington doing everything they can to take Trump down. You know, this is an opportunity. I mean, and there's are there are very few players at this very high level giving advice to candidates to run for president. It's a huge thing to do. Many, many political consultants will help a state rep candidate, help a state senator candidate, maybe a governor to run for president or other things at the federal level is just a whole new, whole new thing. So getting around my two things I want to say about DeSantis. I think that if, Car this is, if this theory is accurate, that there's going to be a willingness on the part of the Karl Rove, they're not just handlers, handlers is a nice word, they will control him and they'll tell him what he can say, what he can't say. He will likely be told by Karl Rove and team Governor DeSantis, it's okay to say you support a secure border, that you want to have a border wall. We'll let you have the border issues. Say that. That'll bring some Trump supporters over. There may be other things he may say about COVID policy that let, they'll let him say, well, we're not going to have, you know, mandatory vaccines. He may say things that tell him how far he can go on every issue. And he can sound a lot like Trump. But the big question is, will Ron DeSantis come out and demand an end of electronic voting machines, of the use of electronic voting machines. Because as we just heard talking with flyover conservatives, as you know, if you listen to any of the conservative outlets, if we don't get rid of electronic voting machines, if we don't do that, nothing else matters. I had a, a millennial listener to this show contact me after the show yesterday to say, you know, it's really, really hard for people uh, to follow the whole story um, about electronic voting machines. Why don't you just st stick to talking about 2000 mules, about the mail-in ballots. It's such a, people understand that better. It's a clearer visual. And that is true. It's much easier to understand how the 2000 mules story and the mailing out of invalid mail-in ballots, clearly wrong. Everyone can see that. The problem is if you had no more mail-in ballots in America for the rest of time on planet earth, you couldn't stop election fraud and you wouldn't stop it. The people who control and have the access to, to control the electronic voting machines will just keep right on orchestrating what they want and nothing will change. The leadership needed in Washington are people saying, we're going to get rid of electronic voting machines. Now, to understand, to be clear, I understand the federal government can't control that. The president cannot demand that states get rid of electronic voting machines, cannot do that, but they can set policy, set precedent, set a tone, 
They can pressure states. They can use their bully pulpit to say electronic voting machines are inherently vulnerable, hackable, and therefore useless, must be eliminated. If you had that coming out of Washington, things would change. That to me is me one marker about, about uh, Ron DeSantis. And that is, will he come out on that issue? Because if, if, if what I'm saying or surmising is correct, and Carl Rove and the Uniparty have their, their hooks now into DeSantis, they'll never let him say that. They'll let him say a lot of other things, border, COVID, tax, whatever they, you know, things that, that they can live with, but they'll never agree that he can say, we're going to get rid of electronic voting machines because that is what the cabal, that is their rub with Donald Trump because they know if, they, if there is not electronic voting machine involved in elections at all and the people will get to speak, the people will choose Trump and Karl Rove knows it. One of the quick thing about Trump, I do want to hit one other story really quickly. It's very important. One other thing about Trump, I was going to harken back to a movie that um, we watched uh, on this vacation. I've seen it, I don't even know how many times, but I urge you, if you've never seen the movie Casablanca, Casablanca, best movie ever, in my view, for many, many deeply emotional reasons, for historical reasons. But what I was going to say, this relates to Trump and DeSantis, you know, in the Casablanca, if you've seen that movie before, so Rick's Cafe, you know, he's in Casablanca, and he's, you know, the Germans are have spread across Europe, and, you know, Castile, Casablanca is, is still free, is not controlled by the Nazis, but the Nazis are there. So the Nazi uh, officers are in Rick's Cafe, and they're, they're, you know, the people there, most people there are fleeing from the Nazis from countries all over Western Europe, and the... Um, one night at the cafe, the uh, Nazis start, stand up and they start singing the German national anthem and very bellowing loud noises or drowning out all the fun that the people are having at Rick's Cafe and, and singing the German national anthem. And one of the great, great, great scenes, in fact, the favorite, my favorite scene in the movie is Victor Laszlo is the, the big hero who is the one who is fighting the Nazis. Either they're, they're there after looking or chasing him down. Victor Laszlo comes out of this upstairs room. He hears the Nazis singing the German national anthem with a room full of people, hundreds of people who hate the Germans, who don't want the German national anthem sung. But Victor Laszlo stands erect, comes down, tells the orchestra to start playing the French national anthem, Le Marseille. And he says, play the Marseille. And they do. And then everyone in the cafeteria, stand, in his cafe stands up and they're all singing uh, the French national anthem. And they eventually drown out the Germans singing their national anthem. It's the best scene in the whole movie. And there are many, many, many great scenes. But the reason I'm telling you that is this. Everyone sitting there at Rick's Cafe, they all hated the Germans singing the German national anthem. But nobody had the leadership. Nobody had the charisma. Nobody had the strength. No one had the determination to stand up and sing the French national anthem instead to shut out the Germans except Victor Laszlo. Going back to Trump. Trump has, within this country, served as a figure, a, saying things others won't say, saying the strong things, saying the true things, standing up and saying the true things, which need to be said when many, many other people sitting around the cafe, sitting around in Congress, sitting around the Senate, sitting around in political positions, don't have the bravery to say. 
Donald Trump says the hard things and he says the true things. And this is why there's so much loyalty to him. And I just I've not seen that quality yet in Ron DeSantis. I've not seen that. I'm going to stand up and say and, and rally people around me. He's not quite there yet. Now, to be really clear, if Trump runs and wins in 24 and we're up to 28, I, I will take a very, very, very close look at DeSantis. But I don't like if he's in any way gotten allowed the uh, uniparty cabal, the Karl Rove types to get their hooks into him because it will change everything. It will reduce him as a man, as a character, as a leader. So wait to see. I want to plant that seed because I love, love, love Ron DeSantis. But I'm very worried that this uh, surmise made by Sundance, that conservative treehouse is probably accurate. Okay, I only have a few minutes left, but I want to hit probably the most important story, and I couldn't get to it. So I want to just tell you this. In this country, I mentioned this millennial telling me uh, after the show yesterday, stop talking about electronic election fraud. It's too hard to understand. I want to concede that point. That is really, really hard to understand. And that for the average person, the picture of what was displayed at 2000 mules, the flooding of uh, mail-in ballots, it's easy to picture, it's easy why it's wrong. But we can't fix anything in this country. We can't fix election fraud without dealing with electronic election fraud. And at the two recent events that I, I mentioned, one being the pit put on by Catherine Engelbrecht and Greg Phillips, the other one being the, the event over the weekend, Mike Lindell uh, being put on um, at in um, called the Moment of Truth Summit. He presents overwhelming information, overwhelming proof of electronic election fraud. It's just not the kind of thing I can sit here and explain to you. I can't just run through here of all these three bullet points. It's inherently complex. And it, it, and it is used by people who want to control the elections because it is inherently complex. And because they think they can dupe you by saying, oh my gosh, you know, we, we got under control. You don't understand, it's too complicated. You can, yeah, it might be too complicated for you to follow. And it is for me, I'm not, I'm not a cyber guru either, but I understand who's telling the truth and who's lying. I can tell you that much. Electronic machines are bad. And the other quick things I mentioned, just to understand what trouble America's in, we, we didn't have any legislatures willing to stand up and say, we're just eliminating electronic voting machines. Wouldn't do it. Uh, and so they, you, know, you end up with, with rulings made by secretaries of state. I'll mention, by the way, I've told you many times before, but George Soros has a massive organization funding races to get Soros-funded, socialist, communist-friendly people in the positions of secretaries of state. Even in relatively conservative states, he pours money into their campaigns and they win. Those people, you talk about the, the organization of this effort to steal America's elections, just the presence of George Soros, money-backed secretaries of state, George Soros, money-backed district attorney, who decide whether or not to prosecute someone these are massive pieces also. But there's one last piece I'm gonna to plant today and I will come back to it tomorrow. On our website, americacanwetalk.org, I included a link to an article written by a brilliant person, Emerald Robinson, to her Substack, And she's talking about the idea, you need to learn this term and very, 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 very quickly learn this term and how consequential it is. The term is cast vote records cast vote records, records of vote that were votes that were cast. And in America, every single secretary of state, election officials, people in every state are required to hold on to the records of the votes cast, CVR cast vote records. 
and they're required to hold on to them for a certain period of time following an election. Well, here in America, the deadline for when secretaries of state and when election department officials can get rid of, can throw away the cast vote records, whether it's electronic or paper, they're permitted by federal law to toss all those records as of September 3rd, next month, a few weeks away. September 3rd is the big date when all of these officials can, and believe me, they will throw away every record they have, electronic or paper or otherwise, related to the 2020 election, because that information is vital in order for people alleging electronic election fraud to prove. So here's what you can do. You always ask me, people ask me, what can I do, what can I do? You can get involved in making a demand of your county election department, your county commissioner's court, your state secretary of state, every official you can think of making the demand that they hold on to, do not destroy the cast vote records, the CVR. And the process to make this demand is unfortunately complex. And you ought to ask yourself why it's so complex. But it is complex, but it's spelled out in the uh, article I linked on our website today. So again, go to americachemitalk.org on the homepage under shows, drop down list of links. This is called What I Learned at the Summit of Truth, Part 1. This is vital. It is complex instructions, but band together with other people in your community, band together with anyone you can find to insist that you put pressure on your state. The pressure should go to the attorney general, the uh, lieutenant governor, the governor, the uh, secretary of state, the head of the elections department, the election officials at the county levels, every place you can think of, try to follow the process she outlines and demand that they do not throw out the cast vote records because that is the only way that we can eventually prove this massive election fraud that occurred in 2020. I tell you folks, um, I do this show every day, Monday through Thursday at 3 p.m. Central time. Uh, I'll be back tomorrow uh, and we'll be back on Thursday also. Um, yes, and on Thursday's show, we're going to be playing the interview of Dr. Peter Bregan, who is a brilliant doctor. Uh, I, people love him. Brilliant, insightful, wonderful doctor. Um, and then tomorrow on this show, we're going to be interviewing a gentleman who, uh, named Jeremy Adams, who wrote uh, the book Hollowed Out um, about what our schools and electronic teaching does to our children. So he's a, a teacher here in California. He'll be on tomorrow and then Peter Bregan on Thursday. And then I'll just tell you right now, I'm taking a break between this Thursday show and the following Thursday, but the following Thursday, which is Thursday, September 1st, we'll have in studio a good friend of ours, Congressman Lou, I uh, can't tell us how. Really uh, an extraordinary member of Congress. Uh, he's the conservative's favorite uh, congressman. Uh, he's in Texas. He will, he's well done with his, done with his time in Congress uh, this year as of January, but he's coming in studio with me to talk about the state of America, the conditions in America, cannot urge you strongly enough to mark your calendar for our, after a little one week break, be back live Thursday, September 1st with um, Congressman uh, Louis Gohmert. Uh, great show tomorrow, great show Thursday, the week off, and that's the following Thursday. I wanted to lay that out for you ahead of time because summer's always a travel time. I wanted to share with you what my schedule is. So now, as we do at the close of every show, I tell you why the stories we talked about today matter to you. So we start our show today. Hope we, yes, we do. Okay, we start our show, a GOP coming in, Fauci out. Fauci's resignation is not the ordinary course event he is spinning. 
He would like to escape accountability for the COVID debacle, but he can't and he won't. Excess mortality data, which we have to talk about more on this show, but excess mortality data is overwhelming. The federal bravado and approved narrative, life insurance companies cannot escape the financial consequences of unexpected payouts or deny or hide the amounts of those payouts. Fauci and Dr. Burks, another creep, uh, inspired vaccine mandates caused death and injury on unprecedented scale, and the end is not in sight. Lockdown policies aggravated economic and psychological damage, especially to children. A reckoning is coming for Dr. Fauci and the public health establishment that followed him like lemmings. Fauci's resignation will not stop that reckoning. And on DeSantis and Rove in cahoots and why it matters, DeSantis is an outstanding governor of Florida. He stood up against COVID hysteria and overreach. He stood up against Disney's woke insanity, clearly a presidential caliber office holder, clearly launching a national, clearly launching national exposure as, but is there danger? Appears to be the GOPE uniparty choice for keeping Trump out of the White House. GOPE uniparty rove may let DeSantis build the wall and talk up energy independence, but here's the tell as to who DeSantis obeys. What will DeSantis say, do, or advocate regarding getting rid of the voting machines? If DeSantis won't stand aggressively to get rid of voting machines, he is a controlled GOPE uniparty candidate. Deep state control of elections will continue under a President DeSantis. Trump will remain the only choice for saving America. And election news, Soros, SOS, Pitt, moment of truth, never concede voting machine fraud is too hard to understand and therefore too hard to fix. The Pitt and Moment of Truth Summit have exposed the voting machine fraud. It is capable of being understood. So egregious, if voting machines are not entirely banned, nothing else matters in terms of preserving America as self-governed by we, the people. Soros' longstanding strategy to control the 50 states, secretaries of state offices, was precisely to control election hardware and software. Griswold in Colorado, I didn't even get to her. She's a disaster as Soros sponsor Secretary of State. Griswold in Colorado is prime Soros-funded example, and Colorado persecution prosecution of Tina Peters is precisely what Soros wants to occur. The 2020 election records required to be preserved until September 3rd, 2022, right around the corner, my friends. Soros wants them destroyed ASAP. Americans must stand up and demand preservation of the 2020 election records. Cast your votes are key. Cast vote records. Cast vote records are key. Citizens must file FOIA, CVR requests. Documents. And that, my very fine friends, is America Can We Talk for today. Thank you so very much for tuning in every Monday through Thursday at 3 p.m. Central Time to America Can We Talk, where I always talk truth about America because America matters. And I will talk to you next time. Can We Talk? Truth about America.